Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We're going to kick off this Monday recapping every single thing that went on during the 2023 NFL Draft for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They made a number of draft picks, and as you can see by this title, the Bucs nailed this draft. That is uh, our opinion when it comes to this. Bucks made their team better. We're going to go pick by pick talk about a little bit of other uh buccaneers news i'm your host matt matera joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com sr scott reynolds we're gonna talk a little bit about tristan Wirfs and offensive tackle as well uh but first we got to start on a little bit of a somber note um unfortunately there was horrible tragic news uh that came out yesterday that was reported that um Shaq Barrett and his wife, Jordana, their two-year-old daughter, unfortunately, uh, passed away, drowned in a pool. Uh, this is reported yesterday morning, and um, the news is just horrifically tragic, uh, and our thoughts and prayers go out to yeah. the entire Barrett family. Um, I don't even really know what else there's to say. It's just uh, a nightmare situation, and uh, our hearts break for uh, what's going on with the Barrett family. Yeah, I found out about last night. I was having um, an early dinner with Ashley at uh, at a restaurant, and we both literally just like broke into tears. I mean, right. uh, it, th- this is an unthinkable tragedy for any parent to go through. And you can be the nicest guy in the world or a scumbag, and it would still be heartbreaking. Yeah. Nobody wants to lose a child. The worst nightmare every parent faces is having to bury their child and um but uh shack is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and uh we we have a swimming pool at our house as as a lot of people in florida do and uh, thankfully we don't um you know all of our kids are are grown (laughs) we don't have to worry about you know this but but this is something that that really is is sad and um it, it just it's crazy, but um, my my daughter Ellie was friends with Tony Dungy's daughter Jade. Right, they went to the same preschool, and believe it or not, my daughter Ellie, when she was about three years old, almost drowned in Tony Dungy's pool. <laughs> it was oh my crazy. goodness! Yeah, uh, and now I, I say that, but like she went under, and I saw her, and I literally jumped in the pool, had my phone, <laughs> and right. it wasn't on a swimsuit, and and pulled her out. She was coughing and spitting up water and stuff, but mm-hmm. it it. It's it can happen in an instant, um, and it's it's so sad and tragic, and and um, just our thoughts and prayers are with with Shaq and Jordan and the entire Barrett family. It is um, it, it it's the it's a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, it's gut wrenching news. It, it, yeah. it hurts even more knowing that her birthday was, I believe, about a week ago. And Scott, yeah. as you said, Shaq Barrett is an awesome guy. Yeah, um, very very family oriented. If you look at his Instagram. It's oh, like yeah. maybe ten percent box. It's all right. about his family, what's going on yeah. with his family, what they're doing, and um, yeah. To anyone, that news is horrible, and for it to happen to someone like Shaq Barrett as well, um, just unthinkable, unimaginable, and um, 
truly, truly heartbreaking. So uh, as we already said, our, our thoughts and prayers and well wishes go out to the entire Barrett family yeah. and the Bucks community because um, a lot of people are hurting right now. And the Barrett family, they're great people. And this is just yeah. a terrible, terrible loss. It is, and it's really tough to to transition from you know. There from, is no transition from from this to our topic of the day, which is the Bucks draft. Um, but like you said, there there is no transition. We're we're just simply going to make that that move as as seamless seamlessly as we can. Um, and uh, the other news that that we've reported, uh, and this is certainly more topical when it comes to to football. Um, you know, is is Tristan Wirfs going to left tackle? And this was pretty much cemented with the fact that they didn't draft the tackle, Matt. They they yes. they they had a chance to draft Anton Harrison, the Oklahoma left tackle who was in our mock draft of the first round, and they passed on him at number nineteen. And I can understand why, uh, based upon some information we've gathered, Kalijah Kansi, who ended up being the first pick for the Buccaneers at number 19 is just a, a better, more decorated, highly graded player with the, with more of an upside. Harrison was the fourth best deep or o- offensive tackle in this draft class. And that's, you know, where he was, you already had Paris Warren selected. You already had Darnell Wright selected. Mm-hmm. You already Broderick had Broderick Jones. Jones from Georgia selected. So Harrison was there at 19, but they, did not have nearly as high grade on him as they had on Kalaja Kansi. And he ended up being the first round pick. So we've talked about this. This is no surprise, Matt, that we've talked about this since the senior bowl. Yeah. When, when, <laughs> when we, we broke the story that Donovan Smith was going to be released, Peter report broke that story. And it's, it's, there's no surprise. Tristan Wirfs moving to left tackle has been in the works since then, unless they came away with a highly regarded left tackle in the draft, that was going to be the plan. And now you're going to have Luke Gedeke or Matt Filer or Brandon Walton vying for the right tackle job. And uh, and maybe there'll be another tackle candidate in the mix. As Jason Light is famous for saying, we're not playing tomorrow. Yeah. Still have plenty <laughs> of time. There will be players released, too, after the draft. We've seen that. After June 1, there'll be players released. Remember, this, this is a Buccaneer team that claimed the likes of Carl Nassib off of waivers right before the start of the season in 2018. They signed... Leonard Fournette. Yep, that was the one I was thinking of. Week or two prior to the 2020 season. So the Bucks roster is far from being set. We're going to go over all of the positions after we kind of go through the draft picks here, Matt. But um, your thoughts on this? I, I'm not going to doubt Tristan Wirfs making the switch to the left tackle. He's too good of an athlete. Give him a shot to see if he can do it before you say he can't, right? Yeah, it was funny. One of the first things I was thinking of is when you look at the depth on the interior offensive line for the Bucs with Cody Mock, who they just drafted, Aaron yeah. Stinney, Robert Hainsey, you go down the list. Um, because it's such like a battle royale for who's going to be on the interior offensive line, unfortunately, one of these guys might not make the team. And I remember saying to yeah. Josh Capo or someone on Pewter Report, I was like, man, some team is really going to benefit f- from finding a – a really nice offensive guard that the Bucks had to cut just based on right. the numbers game with the roster. And I was thinking it before they drafted Trey Palmer. Well, on the flip side, the Bucks could find a better than average wide receiver that another team has right. um, too many of. So that's just the name of the game there. Tristan Wirfs, when it comes to offensive tackle, Tristan, I don't want to say gave it away because we kind of already knew this, but he confirmed yeah. that he's been practicing both on the left side and the right side right. of the offensive line at tackle. And, you know, these were things that we were talking about in the middle of last season of 
should they move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle and move Donovan <laughs> Smith to right tackle? No, that was more fan questions. Yeah. That was more of a pipe dream. You can't do that in the middle of the season unless you Correct. are in absolutely dire, dire straits, which yeah. the offensive line, not great, but to say they were in dire straits just would not be true. Yeah, There is always the risk of moving a great player from one side to the other. And I understand there are differences. The, um, the correlation is it's like going to Europe and driving on the other side of the road. There yeah. definitely is an adjustment, but it's also not rocket science, okay? Wide receivers right. line up on the right and left side of scrimmage. Cornerbacks go on the right and left side. Tight ends line up on both sides of the offensive line. There's definitely going to be an adjustment, but if anyone can figure it out and handle it, I think it's Tristan Wirfs. My question really is, with right tackle now, with Luke like how much confidence do the Bucs have and Jason Light talked about the possibility, something that they're floating of Luke Gedeke moving to right tackle. Are we putting too much stock into having one solid game against the Atlanta Falcons? Because they didn't address tackle yeah. at all in the draft. And sure, they could find someone else. Matt Filer played offensive tackle, but he's been a guard the past couple of seasons. So that's a bit of a transition, too. I'm not as concerned about Tristan moving to left tackle. I think that's a good idea because he's a stud right. player. And worst case scenario... You just go back to the right side. But for yeah. the time being, you still can't have a crappy right tackle because that can turn right. the ship just as much. Oh, yeah. It used to be back in the day, you know, the, the team's premier pass rusher was on the right side going up against the left tackle. That blind side, uh, you know, hit on the quarterback. That was key. But now look at the left, you know, the left edge rushers, if you will. Yeah. T.J. Watt lines up on the left side. Nick Bosa lines up on the left side. Uh, so there's – there's plenty of danger on both sides. You're right, Matt. You need a good offensive tackle at left and right. Uh, doesn't sides. matter where. It really doesn't matter where. Uh, so th that's th that's the news. Good news is they've got some time to figure it out. The team's still very high in Branton Walton too. That that's a, mm. a player to kind of keep in mind. He he's just about penciled in at the very least as that swing tackle, unless he right. just completely craps the bed in training camp in the preseason. But they like the development that he had. John Spitek mentioned him as one of the guys. One of the three players vying for that right tackle position, and um, so let's let's take a look at the Bucks draft. Kind of go through this. You know, we the name of this show is the Bucks nailed this draft, and and uh, you know after a couple of days of reflection, I, I really really think this is a, a strong draft top to bottom. You know, and if Jason has had maybe some faults in his drafting, it's. It's trying to find some of those day three guys to really hit on, Matt. I think you've mentioned that a time or two on on the the podcast, and rightly so. It's that this is, you know, this is a, a I don't say a weakness of his, but Jordan Whitehead might be the last um, day three guy. I guess we're counting Kate Otten as well. So Kate Otten, yeah. you know, as well. But but I'm just saying, uh, this is a pretty solid draft from pick one all the way through to pick number eight, which was their final six rounder, Matt, what are your thoughts? I truly think and Scott, you said it best. You've written about this in fab fives. And we talked about it on the podcast that this year, because the bucks are trying to find value, trying to get a bargain for their buck, that the draft is going to be even more important this season than maybe yeah. it has been over the last two to three years, because they had to find those diamonds in the rough in later rounds to find guys that can contribute almost right away. And I personally feel you know, round one, it's, it's its own animal, like trying to 
get your, your first overall pick. So let's right. exclude Kalijah Kansi in this conversation. Yeah. I personally feel that day three, the Bucks did an exceptional job of finding talent, finding guys that'll fit on the roster, and yeah. certain players that will contribute right away. Like Payne Durham could instantly slot in and be the number two tight end behind Kate Otten and get plenty of playing time. And right. we'll see what's up with Josh Hayes. You clearly know a lot about him with him yeah. going to Kansas State. But he, at least going into this training camp, will be in the conversation and in the yeah. running to be the slot, the nickel corner mm-hmm. for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I just love the idea of the value that they found. And then Trey Palmer, 4-3 speed, exceptional speed. Yeah, The Bucs need him as a wide receiver, but he has returner ability as well. So That's I right. like that they're killing two birds with one stone. It's not just going to be given to Devin Tompkins this year as the kick returner. I think yeah. finding a great kick returner could really up the ante for this Bucks team that needs to find an advantage in almost any way possible. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really solid. Now, I will say this: um, just the Kalijah Kansi pick surprised us. I mean, we yes, we were we were not we we were not disappointed in the pick per se. It just it seemed like it was lining up to be Anton Harrison, the left tackle of Oklahoma. And so it, listen, I don't care that we got the Bucks best bet wrong. I love, I love the Kalaja Kansi pick better than I, I do the Anton Harrison. Well, let's give you some credit. You did break a record for most Bucks best bets in the history yeah. of Peterport.com. So credit to you for that. You're well, it's okay. If you miss one. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we nailed a couple other picks for sure. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but with Kalaja Kansi, Matt, um, He's just such an outlier at 6'1", 281. You go back and you look at, at Todd Bowles' defensive lineman from the, his days at the Jets or the Arizona Cardinals, the, the defensive tackles especially. He's never had an outside, or I should say, defensive tackle this small. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, Matt, the thing with Cansey is, is he's never had one this fast or explosive either. And as John Spitek said, he's been Todd's been looking for this type of player, right? This is this is night and day from six foot six, two hundred and eighty five pound Logan Hall from last year, who was their top pick in the top of the second round. But just because, yeah, I guess the reason why he's the outlier in terms of size is just because Bulls has never had a chance to get a guy like this that is this quick and this fast and this explosive and very decorated. He had. 14 and a half sacks over the last two years combined, about 24, I think it's 34 tackles for losses. Um, consensus yep. All-American, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And you're going to sacrifice some size when you find a player that's this fast and this twitchy and quick and explosive. And so I, I can see and understand the trade-off. And at the same time, Matt, you look at, at Kalaja Kansi, uh, Aaron Donald plays in a 3-4 out in the Rams, and he plays that that Kalaja Kansi position. That, or I should say, Kalaja Kansi is going to be playing the Aaron Donald position in a three-four. Very similar schemes that that the Rams run along with the Buccaneers. It's that three technique, one gap penetrating style. Go get a one-on-one against the guard and just wreak havoc. And and uh, th- th- this this is to me an absolute home run pick. Um, I it, it's. It's Warren Sapp-like in terms of the type of player they got. What say you, Matt? Well, Jason Light was actually talking about Warren Sapp. He said, I think Warren Sapp would like this pick because they yeah. have the exact same measurements and everything. 6'1", uh, I believe 280. 
And the same thing with Aaron Donald, who I think was one pound more. And yeah. you're right. Todd Bowles, like some of the defensive tackles he's worked with back in the day, Muhammad Wilkerson, when he was back with the Jets, Clayus Campbell, I believe, yeah. when their time in Arizona. So big guys that have power. The speed type of rusher hasn't always been there. So I like this idea for Todd Bowles. He's got a new toy to work with, a, a new type of versatility that right. hasn't always been at his disposal. Just having someone that can shoot the gap right away. Yeah, you mentioned um, the tackles for loss that he had. 34 and a half tackles for loss during his right. three seasons at Pittsburgh. He's a guy that can find the backfield with no problem. And Kalijah Kansi actually spoke about the fact that, yeah, people look at my sack numbers right away, but I'm all about stopping the run, too. And that's yes. the bread and butter. I was a little surprised when they first made this pick. It took me a little bit to comprehend everything. Uh, but once you watch the tape and you see the type of person that he is getting to talk to him and, and reading up on him as well, I like to pick more and more as the days go by. There's nothing wrong with just adding to an already solid group. I mean, Vita Vea can't go wrong with him as your nose tackle. Finding that ultimate compliment to Vita Vea, uh, you know. Yes. Obviously, Indomitian Sue was super, super helpful. I'm not taking away anything that he's done, but right. he, didn't, he doesn't have the speed that Kalijah Kansi did. Exactly. Um, and, you know, they, they were still really trying to, to find that. And maybe Kalijah Kansi is the answer to that, that one-two punch with Vita Vea. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the only thing that concerns me about this defensive line now is if something happens to Vita Vea, right? Yeah, you're you're very undersized because you've got Greg Gaines, who's around 310 pounds or so. But to me, that's you know that, that there's a big drop off from at nose tackle from Vita Vea to to Greg Gaines, and and then you're considerably smaller with Logan Hall, who's yet to hit 300 pounds, and Kalijah Kansi, right? So th those are some things that kind of concern me a little bit, just in terms of of. Um, of the lack of size. And then of course you're, you're very inexperienced as well. So we have a super chat here from, from Spinks. Appreciate that very much, Matt, you want to take it away? Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, Spinks for the $5 super chat says, uh, how do you guys see Hall and Cancy splitting time? Also, thanks for the draft coverage. You know what, Scott, I'm happy to answer this question, but it yeah. is also 420. It is. And you know what we like to do at, 420 on That's the right. report podcast that means it is time for roll call baby where you at peter people we have awesome fans throughout the world really both yeah. in america and internationally we had awesome awesome participation with everybody during our three days of the peter report live draft show energized by celsius um so this is just a fun way to interact with everybody um i'll start answering the question from spanx about how they're going to divvy up the time between last year's sure. first pick, Logan Hall, and this year's first pick, Kalijah Kansi. And in the meantime, Scott's going to put up the comments of everybody. Tell, let us know where you are watching from, whether it's in Tampa, whether it's in England. doesn't really matter. Just uh, would love to know where you guys are watching from, and uh, we will get it going. So, yeah, that was one of the first things I was really thinking about with the Kalijah Kansi pick after it was announced on Thursday night. One of my initial reactions was, so what does this mean for Logan Hall? Obviously, the Bucks picked him. He was a second-round pick, but he was their first overall pick in last year's draft class. Remember, they um, traded out of their spot, traded with the Jaguars, 
and then have the first overall pick to begin the second round. And Logan Hall had a lot more to be desired in his rookie year. And we talk a lot about that. Defensive tackles, it's it's one of the toughest positions transitioning into the NFL. It's tougher to um, kind of develop right away. Scott's brought up the stats a ton about the number of sacks that Warren Sapp had in his rookie year, that Vita Bay has had in his rookie year, a couple other guys. So Logan Hall kind of fell into that category as well. I do think there were some bright spots that he had, most notably um, against the Packers. So how will Logan Hall, how does this affect his playing time with Kalisha Kansi? Well, for the time being, at the moment, Will Golston, long-time vetured, uh, long-time um, tenured Buccaneer, is not under contract. He's not with the Bucks right now. I'm not ruling out that he could return. I think as- re- I think he's going to return. I think there's a chance. We'll go over that. I've got the depth charts um, for for the positions, but I, I I think there's a chance he could return. Cool. Well, I'm all for it. I mean, obviously, Will Golston, friend of the program beloved by Bucks fans and an important locker room guy. But I see Logan Hall kind of moving over into that defensive end type of role that Will Golston had. I think for Logan, it was a lot of it was just a matter of he didn't get a ton of playing time, but that's because he was lower on the depth chart. But at yeah. some point the Bucks have to understand you gotta, you know, be out with the old and in with the new. So right. I'm not saying Kalisha Kansi is going to start from day one, but as we were talking about earlier, lining right up next to Vita Veo, yeah. getting the benefit of teams giving all the attention to Vita Veo. We say it a lot with quarterbacks that yeah. QB sometimes you just gotta throw them in, let them get That's that right. experience, and they take their lumps. I think Logan Hall didn't really benefit from that last right. year because the team was still competing to That's right. win the division and everything like that. Kalisha Kansi, obviously first round pick within the top 20, I think you should be given the opportunity to maybe not start like game one, first snap of the season, but early on, get him the reps, line him up next to Vita Vea, use his speed, use that quickness to your advantage. Because if the Bucs talk the talk about wanting to get faster and wanting to get more physical, well, damn it, walk the walk (laughs) too. Don't, don't limit him, put him in a box and be like, all right, we're going to put him in situationally. No, I don't think that helps his development. Put Kalisha Kansi in right away. Yeah, and I think they're going to, and they should. And I agree with everything you said, Matt. Well, well said. Uh, we have a $5 super chat from Shaggy. We want to hear what he has to say. Great job over the weekend. Thanks for all the work PR does. Makes it easy for non-Florida pewter people to stay connected in Illinois. So greatly appreciate that. And all the super chats we got over the weekend. It was, it was amazing. It was a great yes. reception. We appreciate that. Uh, still a little tired, man. <laughs> this is <it's> a long <laughs> weekend. Um, you mentioned some of, of the Bucks' best bets. Uh, it, it's kind of uh, interesting. We, we do put a lot of time into this. And this this is a current look at the number of Bucks' best bets that we've got correct that are oh, on awesome. the team currently. So these are current Bucks' best bets. These are guys on the roster. So you're not going to find uh, a Bucks' best bet like Alex Kappa, who we had in 2018. You know, he's no longer on the roster, but... So the players in green are the four Bucks best bets that Matt referenced. We actually uh, got four of them right, which is our all-time high. So we're excited about that. Uh, so we we got a, just about every position. We've got a Bucks best bet here. Uh, we we had Rashad White in our our mock draft last year in the third round. So maybe we can kind of count him because you know our, our job is to let you guys know who the Bucks like and who they're interested in. But it technically wasn't the Bucks' best bet, so we're not going to get credit for that. But Kyle Trask in 2021, 
Chris Godwin was a Bucks best bet um, at wide receiver. Trey Palmer, of course, this year. Kate Otten last year and Payne Durham this year. Cody Mock is uh, an offensive linebacker's Bucks best bet. Vita Vey and Logan Hall, uh, two out of the of the three starting offensive linemen for the Bucks, <laughs> we've nailed as Bucks best bets. Joe Tryon Shoinka in twenty twenty one. Yaya Diaby this year, Devin White inside linebacker in 2019, and Jamel Dean in uh, in 2019, the cornerback. So um, that's that's 12 guys, including four this year, that are on the current roster. Mo- most of them starters uh, that we've we've nailed. So I'm excited for next year's draft. We're not, yeah, not well, we have to hit- get through this year first, but I'm just excited to see how we'll do next year. And you you're going to hit running Bucks back and safety bets. next year. I feel it. That would be great. I, I, <laughs> I, I love the, both positions. Yeah. So as as we get to to the uh, the positions here, and and uh, I had a uh, a pewter person correct me because they're like, "Where's Jose Ramirez?" I put up the wrong graphic, and I'm sorry about that. I did not mean to slight Jose Ramirez. So I've I've got the right one now. There he is. There's Jose. So th- this is the Bucks draft right here. We've kind of touched on Kalaja Kansi and, and hitting. The interesting thing is is them coming back and getting uh, our first Bucks best bet, which was Cody Mock. Just a really, you know, kind of easy evaluation, right? This this is yeah. <laughs> a Jason Light type of offensive line. John Spitek, you know, they they love these guys. Um, Harold Goodwin, Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coaches, they just love the smash mouth, uh, extracurricular face. play until the whistle. Yeah, that second whistle. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so now, now some fans might want to say, well, he played left tackle. Can't you give him a shot at left tackle? The pass protection is is just not there yet. It it just isn't. And and listen, he's got a chance to start as as a rookie. If you remember uh, watching some of those Alex Kappa training camp practices, Matt, kind of the same thing. Even though he played left tackle at Humboldt State, mm-hmm. the pass protection was a bit of an issue, right? We saw like Indomitian Sue really take him to school a couple times. And, and so, yeah, that's those... an unfair matchup. <laughs> rookie Alex Kappa against the veteran and Dominican Sue. Yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong, but Alex Kappa didn't even start right away. Like, it no. took Alex Kappa a little Correct. bit of time, and then he became what he is a yeah, a, a very capable, a solid starter that right. helped the team get to the Super Bowl. He unfortunately got injured in the in the postseason or right before the postseason. Um, and, but then he got that big contract from the Cincinnati Bengals. So, again, yeah. not everyone's going to immediately start right away that might not be the case with cody mock it could he could be the day one starter um but yeah to put him at left tackle or really just offensive tackle in general put him on that island at the moment yeah would not be a good idea he's a little bit wild (laughs) with his uh technique and mechanics when it comes to pass blocking so you you can disguise it a little bit more when you're on the interior offensive line because you got the center and you got the tackle Yep. Um, right next to you. But as a run blocker, I mean, my goodness, he oh, will <laughs> he will drive you into the ground. He will make yeah. a pancake out of you. Um, you may slip and fall. He'll knock you to the ground, get up, and then knock you down again. Yeah. And he races to that second level as he well. Does. So zone blocking wise, which is what Tampa Bay is going to implement this year in the run game, which we all know the Bucks want to get better in the run game. Yeah. He is going to thrive in that zone blocking setting. As we yeah. Put some tape up. Yeah, he really, he really uh, is is a, a fun guy. You can see number seventy. Um, he's the left tackle, and we'll, we'll let this roll again here. So look for the left tackle here, number seventy. There's there's Cody Mock. 
just getting out there on the pool, just about, you know, just he, he, he cleans people's block. Yeah. You can, this is a downfield block right there. Number 70, the left tackle. You can see the long hair getting out to the second level, just getting on the guy, Stays staying on the, the guy. Time. Yeah. Yeah. He's still on him. He's still on yeah. him. <laughs> he hears the whistle. He's still grabbing his Jersey a little bit. You know, this is uh this is Cody mock right here, you know, pulling, getting the second level, just taking out two or three guys, Continues to push. Who, as long as it's on the other team. Look at this. There he goes. Pushing the pile there. This is something yeah. that Ryan Jensen loves to do as well. Here's and This is a pin and pull. Or actually, uh, yeah. He's getting out there in front. Drive blocking, drive blocking, shoving. Or number 49. <laughs> 49 yes. South Dakota seemed to be the number one target of Cody yep. Mock in that game. Uh, we might have already played this one before. But let's see here. He takes this guy no, right to the ground, gets on him again, right sit down. Again. So you can see that this this guy's got fun tape. Again, left tackle number 70, right there just inside the tight end, right around here by the goal line, just gets his guy, shoves oh, man, him, slams okay. him to the ground. This is a nice little snatch and trap right here. Boom, right to the ground, sits on him. <laughs> so much fun to watch. And here's the the last clip here that we'll show of of Mock getting out there and uh, just paving the way for people to 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 just uh, have a good time. Um, we have, we have some Kalijah Cansey picks too. Should we should we go through some of those as well? Even though we've kind yeah, of talked why, about Kalijah, why not? The Peter yeah. people seem to enjoy it. Okay, here we go. This this is some Kalijah Cansey. This is number number eight defensive tackle. This is down here by the goal line. So this is, is actually a play where he gets pushed yep. back. Yeah, the, the, this this is hey, where perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and this is going to be you'll see it here better on the end zone view. Number eight. Uh, you don't want him down here uh, in, in goal line situations for the Buccaneers. Right. Uh, you don't want him in goal line or short yardage right. playing defensive tackle is probably going to be better off playing defensive end like a, a power end position in there. And I, I think Todd Bowles and Todd and Casey Rogers will will, will move him around and and make it a little bit uh, harder for people to uh to get it, their hands on now this is a touchdown catch but look, look but not Kalaj not his fault <laughs> kalaja Kansi does his job he's lined up right there he's right in, in that a gap and comes across does a nice little arm over move and he's just incredibly quick off the ball he's best when when he does a lot of, of twists and stunts again number yes. eight right there over the center um just <laughs> rolling right through two people forces the quarterback out. And if, if there was any type of upfield penetration, if they had set the edge with this, with this defensive end here, number 96, he's literally pushing the quarterback right into a sack, but just watch how quick he is off the get off here. He's going to cross the, the center's face, I believe. No, cross the guard's face. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and comes in there, fights off a double team. Should have been a sack if 96 had done his job. You can see some lateral quickness here. Again, he's lined up. Looks like he's over the the center there mm -hmm. in the uh, strong side a gap. Crosses the face, and um, it, it, it takes two Tennessee defensive, or I should say, offensive linemen to to block him. He's just that quick. He's he's incredibly fast off the snap, and I like what he does here too. Look, look how he's met. He's playing mind games with the center. I'm lined up and. In the strong side A, and I'm going to go weak side A. Goes you all can, the way over. Takes on three blockers, including including yeah. the running back. And so fast. Here's one last thing we'll we'll show you. There's more clips here, but this this is how how he can get skinny and really rush in here and, and make things happen. 
Uh, just an incredible rush here by Kalaja Kansi. You'll see number eight um, right here. He's uh, playing three tech against that that guard. Comes right in the middle and splits that that uh, center guard double team um, again. Incredibly fast guy, and uh, you know what? It, it just seems to me, Matt, like like uh, and I don't know this to be a fact, but like I would not be surprised if if he drank Celsius. Celsius, our number one pick, make it your number one pick. And there's the new Oasis vibe. It's already in the top three for me. I mean, that wow. matter of fact, that might be my top three right there. Sparkling orange, Oasis vibe, lemon lime right there. Those are three fantastic flavors. Oasis vibe is new. It's available only at Target for the time being. And then they're going to make it available everywhere. And where is everywhere? Well, everywhere is places like Instacart where you can grab Celsius now. Or Amazon. You can do the subscribe and save and Pick a, a case or or two or three and have them shipped right to your house like I do. Use the subscribe and save feature and you'll get Celsius delivered uh, to your house and you'll save some money as well. Don't forget about Fantasy Vibe and the new vibes, the Tropical Vibe, Arctic Vibe and Peach Vibe. Every vibe is fantastic from Celsius. And, uh, you know, Matt, if you're looking to just to maybe try Celsius before you commit to maybe, say, the Variety Pack, because Variety is the spice of That's life, you can... You can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address, and you'll find all of these health and fitness stores and grocery stores, convenience stores, and oh, what's that other term that we say all the time? It is a bodega. Bodega, where you can find Celsius. Celsius, live fit with essential energy, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Scott, we have a couple super chats to get to. and Let's I... get to them. Well, actually, one is just a super chat. Okay. The other one, Bobby Dean, appreciate the $1.99 super chat. Uh, he says, thoughts on Undrafted the free agent, Sean Tucker, Jeremy Banks? Bobby, we are going to answer your question, but we're actually dedicating tomorrow's episode. That's right. To the, um, the undrafted free agent steals. But we will say, in the meantime, Sean Tucker was absolutely a great free undrafted free free agent signing yeah. by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and could very much compete to not only make the roster at running back, but get some playing time, but get some playing yeah. time and move up the depth chart. So Bobby, thank you very much for the, and that guy that. right there, Jeremy Banks, the Tennessee middle linebacker, the Bucks had an incredibly high grade on him. Now he fell because he, he didn't, he's got some character issues, but if he keeps his, his head on straight, uh, straight, he could be a very, very good player. He and Servassier Dennis, uh, two really, really, really good inside linebacker pickups for the Buccaneers. Servassier, of course, was a fifth-round pick, and uh, and then Banks was an undrafted free agent signing. So both of these guys, the Bucs are very excited about. That's tomorrow's show, so make sure you tune in tomorrow at 4 o'clock for that. And just since we're talking about shows this week, Wednesday, we're going to have the defensive coaches – their press conferences at a one buck place at the Advent Health Training Center. So that's going to be a 7 p.m. press conference or 7 p.m. Uh, show 
their press conferences will be early, like 1030 in the morning. But that's Wednesday show right there. And Thursdays, also at 7 p.m., NFC South foes drafts underwhelmed. That's right. We're not impressed with what the Falcons, Saints, or the Panthers did. I think the Buccaneers clearly had the best draft out of the NFC South teams. No homerism there, folks. That's just my opinion. But um, what say you, Matt? It's just a, a really quick one-liner. Do you agree with me, or do you you think that one of these, these other NFC South teams uh, fared better than, than Tampa Bay? I don't think anyone did better than Tampa uh, by, by any means. I think – one you could say is close, but um, yeah, overall, I, the Bucks are in the upper echelon. Yeah. Uh, we also had a dollar super chat from Sal three one nine. No Appreciate comment, it. but thank you very much, Sal. If you have another comment, we will uh, make sure we put it up on the screen. But thank you very much, Sal. Yeah, Yaya Diaby, yeah. third yeah. round yeah. pick. Yeah, Yaya uh, yeah, Diaby. This, this guy, he's a fun dude. I mean, just he's big, man. Six three, two hundred sixty three. The interesting thing, you know, we talked about. Then moving Carl Brooks from Bowling Green inside at the Senior Bowl. They also did that with a couple of other edge rushers. They did that with Thomas Incum from Central Michigan. They also did that with Adetomiwa Adeboware from Northwestern. They moved those guys inside. Now, it's with Double A and with Brooks, you can kind of see it because that's where their football future is. But the fact that the Diaby is going to be an outside linebacker, he is going to be an edge rusher at this level here in Tampa Bay. And the same thing with Incum. I'm not sure where he went, but I think he was a late day three guy as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be an edge rusher. But the fact that we saw what he could do as a nickel rusher moving inside, it just gives Todd Bowles another chess piece, Matt, more versatility with that six foot three, 263 pound frame that runs a, a four, five, one, that he can do some damage from either side and maybe kick inside as a nickel rusher as well. I like the player, Yaya Diaby. I love the fact that he's got the um, speed and power combination that so many teams look for in this league. I don't love that he was a third-round pick versus being a fourth-round pick. Yeah. But as we know, the Bucks did not have a fourth-round pick, so they had to reach a little bit to get Yaya Diaby, which is, which yeah. is fine. That's okay, because if he pans out, that's totally all right. I mean, obviously the production jumps all the way from – one and a half sacks to nine sacks last season. Um, also bumped his tackles for loss all the way up to 14 tackles for loss, which all great stuff, all trending in the right direction. I do worry a little bit about the fact that kind of getting a one hit wonder in that sense, working in, in the right direction, but is it just a flash in the pan and it doesn't translate over to the NFL or did the Bucks really get a huge bargain by a guy that hasn't even reached his potential yet yeah. love the speed love that he moved all over the place uh, one of the knocks against him is that he doesn't have the uh total arsenal of pass rushing moves just yet and just right. relies on his power and quickness but those can be taught like that i actually kind of feel okay about in the sense you can learn how to perfect a better swim move or or a, or a rip or whatever it may be yeah. i would like to see yaya get a spin move going if you got that speed and speed and power Pull like a Robert Mathis and just keep running that uh, that spin move over and over. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see what Yaya can do. Um, mm-hmm. but if I had to give a pick that I would say was my least favorite, it would probably be the Yaya Diaby pick. Okay, fair enough. I I, I happen to like it, um, and and we'll we'll see what happens here. Good question here um, from Psycho Killer Scott. If Cansey hits his potential, we talking someone like Javon Hargrave. Boy, that, that, that's actually a very interesting comparison. I think Hargrave is a bigger-bodied guy, but 
came from a small school, South Carolina State. And I remember watching him at the at the East West Shrine practice in St. Petersburg. He was one of my favorite players, uh, Javon Hargrave, and he's had a great career in the NFL. But yeah, he's an undersized guy, uh, more of a nose tackle though. Hargrave, this is more of like a three tech. But yeah, this very very explosive defensive tackle. Uh, that th- that's not a bad comp. It's it's not right on, but it's not a bad comp. So yeah, I I would say yeah, I I could see that a little bit. So we go from Yaya Diaby, as Matt mentioned, no fourth round pick. The Bucks come back, and you know, I asked Kalaja Kansi, "Hey, Kalaja, what would it be like if if one of your teammates, Servasier <laughs> Dennis or Brandon Hill, the safety and the inside linebacker from from Pitt, were to get drafted by the Buccaneers?" And sure enough, Servasier Dennis gets picked in the fifth round as Tampa Bay had to wait for their first third day pick. And uh, this this is a hell of a player, man. This is a, a fun guy to watch on film too. He's a heat seeking missile. Built a little bit more like Levante David rather than you know, he's about 225 pounds as opposed to Devin White, who's about 240, right? And so he's a little bit more of a slender build, but he hits like a hammer. Great in, in terms of blitzing. I think he had seven sacks his senior season. I think he finished at 12 or 14 in his career. I could see him, Matt, kind of being the heir apparent to Levante David. He's got a little bit of ways to go in terms of his coverage ability, but he's a smart player, very cerebral, played both the money backer and the Mike backer in Pittsburgh. And I really believe that he can develop into a starting caliber player in in time. And um, whereas I think Jeremy Banks from Tennessee is more of like that backup Mike linebacker, I think Servasier Dennis could be maybe the heir apparent to to Levante David, we'll see in time. Yeah, I was just saying how Yaya Diaby was my least favorite pick. I know Servasier Dennis is going to be a backup going into this year, but he, in my opinion, is my favorite pick that the yeah. that the Bucks have made. You had to address inside linebacker, whether Devin White is playing or not. You needed to add to that depth. Um, I love the the fact that he is physical, as you said, he hits like a hammer. The Bucs are at their best when they bring that attitude and that physicality. That yeah. Jordan Whitehead, I understand he plays a safety, but we're going to yep. talk about a safety soon that could replace that physicality that they kind of missed with uh, Jordan Whitehead. Um, just a cerebral player that has a high motor. We talk about the fact that he comes from a military family, so you know he's going to yeah. be extremely disciplined. Um, one thing that he's really praised for is cutting off the angle of pursuit. So that kind of goes into the intangibles, the understanding the game at a higher rate than I think others do. So I'm kind of looking at this as, yes, he'll play special teams. He'll be at practice every day, learning a lot of stuff. I almost look at it as a redshirt year. You say replacing Levante David very much could be the place or the opportunity for that. I really like the idea of just him soaking everything in, learning from Levante David picking up things from Devin White and then coming in the following season and getting anointed, all right, you're the guy, depending on the situation there. But physical, understands the game, a team leader, was a captain on this team. That's obviously uh, not a prerequisite for the Bucs, but it might as well be. They always love finding those team captains. I just think he's got a good head on his shoulders. And we talked about this, you and I, Scott, during Mm -hmm. the uh, Peter Report live draft show. The way that... Vita Vea at defensive tackle and Levante and Devin White play off each other, how they were able to stop the run. Now you're getting that with Kalijah Cansey, a Pittsburgh Panther, 
right. and Servasier Dennis, yeah, the linebacker as a pit as a Pittsburgh Panther. So um again, something where you're addressing one need, but you're actually helping out in more ways than one with this draft pick. So I'm a huge fan of Servasier Dennis. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's very well said, Matt, and that a great point that we brought up um during the draft show. And and for all you folks that that were you know, that, that, that tuned into the draft show, the three-day draft show, were parts of it. Greatly appreciate that. We had some amazing numbers over the weekend in terms of views, and it's just so much fun. We, we love doing that. We'll do it again next year. And it just, it, it's, it's a blast to have the interaction with, you know, you pewter people and to answer questions and get live reactions and comments. It was interesting because one of the, the live things that happened on the draft show was I got really excited. When this guy right here, Josh Hayes, was was drafted, I actually got tipped off about, what, four or five minutes before the selection was in. It was going to be a K-Stater. And I wasn't sure if it was going to be Deuce Vaughn, a player that they were liked and were considering, or if it would be a nickel safety. That's really what Josh Hayes played at North Dakota State as well as at Kansas State and ended up being Josh Hayes from K-State, who is the nephew of the, of the late linebacker, uh, former Buccaneer player, Geno Hayes. And he's from Lakeland, Florida, right down the street. Came in for the local pro day and worked out. That's one thing that that uh, John Spitek said that really you know helped his cause was sometimes these players come in for the, the local pro day and they come in just to meet with the coaches, but they, they're not willing to go out there and put the cleats on and, and do some drills and workouts. And Josh says, said, let's go. Let's play some football. Let's do it. So that was a very encouraging sign for them. Todd Bowles was at the Kansas State Pro Day mm-hmm. checking out Josh Hayes and and uh, a big striker, sure tackler. That's one of the things that they loved. 4-4 four, four speed, he can move. When you watch his highlight reel, he's the kind of guy that just looks faster than everybody else on the Wildcat defense. So very excited about getting him, and I, I think that he's uh, he's definitely going to be in contention for, for a roster spot. He'll have to play on special teams, of course, and stand out there. But, you know, he, he could be a guy that – it could see some time at, at nickel if he ends up making the team as a rookie, man. Great playing speed. That's the first thing that you pointed out to me. Because I was asking, oh, is he faster than Zion McCollum? And you were like, well, no. But Zion McCollum plays kind of slow. Any Anyone can run a – well, not anyone. Yeah. But you can run a fast 40-yard dash. That doesn't mean you're a quick player because you have to factor in the mental aspect of it, dissecting the play, seeing what's going on. Yeah. So having a player that – can also move in a, in a quick capacity while on the field. I think it's really important to have Josh Hayes knocking the ball loose. Uh, I like the fact that he's actually been around to a couple different places, as you talked about, uh, played at North Dakota, transferred, yeah. uh, transferred again, went to Kansas State. I don't know, someone that's gone through a little bit of um, adversity in his career, mm-hmm. or at least going to new places, new changes, new faces, and was able to come out on top. Obviously, yeah. had a great year with Kansas State and all the success that they had as a team uh, last year, winning the Big Twelve. You come over to Tampa. This is a this is a big opportunity for someone as a sixth round pick. Yeah, you don't automatically come in and have your foot in the door to be competing for a starting right. spot. And the Bucks obviously view nickel corner as a starting opportunity. Yep. I don't know if there's a better spot he could have went to than <laughs> just looking yeah. at, okay, well, you got Antoine Winfield Jr. and Ryan Neal at safeties. Yes, Neal can play 
in the slot as well, but then you're mm -hmm. missing your other starting safety. Yeah. And your competition right now is D Delaney, maybe Zion McCollum. Obviously the Bucks are going to bring in more bodies for OTAs and training camp, but this yeah. is an awesome situation for Josh Hayes. It really is. And they, they did sign uh, Chris Eisen from Rutgers. Who's Rutgers. also yeah, Rocko Rockaway, New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ty Bowles, son, Ty Bowles jr. Goes there. So, uh, I think between he and, and Eisen, there's a couple of guys that that can really step in and play. Uh, so, Long Lost Leisure says SR tipped us off live in yeah. the sixth round between two K State guys. We got the K State guy nobody ever heard of, and Deuce Vaughn and the Cowboys became one of the viral stories of the weekend. What an amazing moment for for Chris Vaughn, the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, Scout, very to, cool video to uh, have the opportunity to literally draft his son, the one player he would not do a draft evaluation on. He said, somebody else is going to have to do that. I can't evaluate my son. Um, you're going to have to do it. But Jerry Jones said, listen, Deuce, you you earned every ounce of this pick. It had nothing to do with, with, with the dad being the scout. But just an awesome um, pick for the Cowboys. And I think Josh Hayes is going to be a very good pick here too. Scott, um, you, know, you know how I know you love Kansas State so much? How is that? You were chomping at the bit to talk about your Kansas State guys that yeah. we glossed over the other fifth round pick for the Tampa Bay oh, Buccaneers, right, yeah. tight end uh, Payne Durham, who I think is an excellent addition to this team. Not the fastest of players by any means. Yeah. Um, solid as a blocker, but he takes over as a red zone presence. He's going yeah. to replace the production of Cam Brate, not Cam Brate of last season, but just right. look at the overall the younger career, Cam the younger yeah. Cam Brate. This is a perfect opportunity for Payne Durham has a nose mm -hmm. for the red zone can still make some athletic plays, even though he's not the quickest guy. He only had one catch of over 30 yards yeah. last season while playing for Purdue, but shorthanded guy. I see him as just being a third down security blanket for yeah. Baker Mayfield or uh, Kyle Trask, whoever wins that quarterback job, um, a guy that just is going to come in, do his job, put his foot in the ground, step yeah, off, and get guy. the job done. Yeah, very physical as well. Just proper bill. They they um, aligned him to Jesse James, the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. Steelers tight end. Uh, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. Not going to chew anybody out of their shoes, but he'll find the pockets and he'll get open. I agree. Flash Gordon has a comment here. The Bucks dug out some guys nobody knows. Servassier Dennis, Josh Hayes. And I can even throw Payne Durham in the mix here, too, right? He's just wasn't on people's like radar in terms of, of that. And, and the draft Knicks didn't like it. And, and you know what? That's that's kind of a common thing, right? It's like, well, you know, Josh Hayes wasn't in Dane Brugler's draft guide, right? And or he was, but he was like, you know, way down the list. But we saw this with Coquife last year in the sixth round, too, right? Sometimes teams just draft the players they like and 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 they they find a role for them. And I totally think you're spot on. I think that Payne Durham is is a player uh like like a Josh Hayes, like a Servassier Dennis that's gonna find the field early in his rookie season and is gonna make an impact. I'm really excited about this pick. Uh we had a, a, a nice comment here too. Let's get to that. We have a couple of super chats, but this is topical, so I want to to put this on the board here. Joseph Anderson, did you notice when Payne Durham caught a touchdown in the senior bowl practice and his helmet came off, he gave the ball to Cody Mock to spike. That's true. And Matt <laughs> and I, that was that one play where he went up and, and elevated and skied in, in the end zone, got his helmet knocked off, yeah. but caught the ball. Uh, that was right before we were leaving to drive back to, to Tampa. 
That was. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for sure. That's a hell of a practice that he had. And this guy, that's just what he does. 21 touchdowns in four years. I mean, he's he is definitely a, a player that is that is um you know that 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 we believe is gonna see some playing time uh early in his his Bucks career. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna step on Kate Otten's toes at all. I think there's plenty of room in this offense for Kate Otten to continue yeah. to develop. As a, as an all around tight end and and room for Payne Durham to do his thing thing as well. So uh, I yep. think it should be a lot of fun. We got a couple super chats to get to. Let's get to those. Appreciate yep. appreciate everybody. Uh, Spinks had another one. Appreciate you, Spinks, for this five dollars super chat. Uh, in the free agent signing after the draft, who are your Bucks best bets at offensive tackle? Uh, honestly, I'd have to look back at the the available free agents at offensive tackle now too. Donovan yeah. Smith is still available. He won't be coming back to Tampa Bay. Yeah. In a perfect world, I would love Taylor Lewan, uh, who formerly played for the Titans, but he's going to be way too expensive. Yeah. Um, and he's also got a, a podcast that's pretty successful in yeah. its own right. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep our we'll keep our ears to the ground. It's something we'll uh, continue to monitor and look at. Austin Glaze had a ten dollars super chat. Thank you, Austin. Austin says, Scott, you mentioned this draft needs to be a mix of a 2018 type and a 2020 type. To me, this is definitely a 2018 long-term class, as I don't see a Werfs or Winfield type here. What do y'all think? Great question. That, yeah. That's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I, th- I think Cansey can be. He Listen, he's either going to be an absolute dynamo, and I'm not going to say like Aaron Donald. I'm not going to put him in a gold jacket just yet by <laughs> any means. But I think his floor – is is Ed Oliver, who is an okay first round pick out of out of Houston, went to Buffalo, still he's a starter there. It just hasn't been that that sacker, that that impact guy um, that that they had hoped, but still a, a solid quality guy, uh, undersized, quick, twitchy, and and if that's his floor, there's still he's still going to be a really quality starter in the NFL. He's just not going to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. But I think that. This kid has some of the traits and the want to. It just we have to see how he develops, right, and and see how quickly he can ascend. And and to me, I, you know, I don't I don't know if he's going to get to Werfs's level. As I think Werfs is a potential Hall of Fame guy, but yeah. I, I think Cansey could be a Winfield type player where he makes a Pro Bowl or two, and, and we'll see. I mean, this is all hyperbole right now. He has yet to put on a bucket in your helmet or practice it down <laughs> yet. We're going off just college production and projections, but. Um, but this this is more like 2018, Matt. In that 2018 draft, you'll remember Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, mm-hmm. um, Alex Kappa, right? They got four quality starters out of that draft who helped the Bucs get to a Super Bowl. So I, I think there are I'm not sure who they are yet, but I think there are four quality starters somewhere in this draft class. If the Bucs are able to get a, another draft class such as that, they are in a great great situation i mean you look at how all those guys you mentioned panned out i don't see anyone as like a future hall of famer i could be very wrong we'll see yeah um can't see yeah i think there's a lot of guys that i look at and i say you know maybe not a hall of famer maybe not a pro bowl guy but you look at them you see their name you picture them as a player and you go i'm glad that that guy is on my team (laughs) you know that's how bucks fans (laughs) should feel and i see that with dennis i can see dennis being a future Every day, start every game starting inside linebacker. I see Payne Durham as just your typical tight end two 
goal yeah. line presence, everything that we talked about. Mock could be a starter for the next 10 years once yeah. he figures out how to pass block. Um, Yaya, I think, could be a solid like third yeah. outside linebacker, kind of like Anthony Nelson, mm-hmm. who's made impact plays for this team. Maybe right. Yaya just plays on third down. So I think there's a lot of potential for many guys in this room. Maybe not the stud like right. Tristan Wirfs. And you know what? Key key contributors. Maybe Trey Palmer from Nebraska ends up being that number three at some point in time, right? I mean, I I wouldn't put him in Chris Godwin or Mike Evans' class by any means yet, but this guy is a a guy that will stretch the field, very dynamic, great at tracking the ball. And John Spitek didn't say that this is the second coming of Deshaun Watson, he says, but Deshaun Watson was the best at tracking the deep ball. Just going out and getting it, finding it, having the speed to track it down and haul it in. And Trey Palmer had three touchdown catches of 70 yards or more. That was tops in the FBS last year. Thousand-yard receiver, bided his time at LSU, returned to kick for a touchdown, returned to punt for a touchdown. And and Trey Palmer, uh, you know, found the end zone, I think, I want to say 10 times last year, nine, nine or 10 times. He can be a very quick, impactful player. I think he can do more than Scotty Miller, who was the, the you know, the deep threat on this team for years, but was more of a one-trick pony. I want to see if this man, and we won't find this out really until training camp or the preseason, can this man absorb contact and is he willing to absorb contact? Because the Bucs have had players that are very, very fast. They got the speed. They got a nose for the end zone. But then they would instantly just run out of bounds anytime a defender (laughs) was right up against you. Yeah, and the last wide receiver from Nebraska, Kenny Bell, didn't really pan out. He was he looked phenomenal in OTAs and training camp. But once the the pads came on a training camp and he under the lights in the preseason, he he wilted. So I like speed. It's just speed cannot be everything. It can take yeah. you a very far distance in this league, but um, as we've learned from other wide receivers, not always not always the end all be all. Yeah. This guy right here, Jose Ramirez, their their last pick out of uh, Eastern Michigan, uh, also the home of uh, Patrick Patrick O'Connor, Pat O'Connor, O'Connor, friend of the show. Yes, uh, very quick, agile guy. It kind of reminded John Spitek, who when he was at in Denver, scouted this guy named Shaq Barrett at yeah. Colorado State. Uh, very quick, twitchy guy. Very agile. The forty yard dash was not spectacular at the combine. He ran a, a four seven three, but the one five eight ten yard split was up there with with some of the the faster edge rushers in this year's class, and his three cone drill and his short shuttle drill were the fastest at the combine of any player. And six one two hundred and forty three pounds just has a knack of getting to the quarterback. Twelve sacks last year, um, very very much you know a, a high effort, high energy guy. You add him and Yaya Dabi to the mix, and the Bucks have a little bit of a safety net here, you know, in terms of of just in case Shaq Bear doesn't come back from that Achilles injury, he'll be 31 in November, or Joe Tronshawinka doesn't continue to ascend and he gets stuck at that four-sack plateau that he's on right now. Yeah, I like it as an insurance policy. Made some noise uh, at school. He'll compete with Cam Gill to try to make the roster. I, I think, you know, there's obviously a little bit of potential there with him. I'm not yeah. going to get all high and mighty or up in arms about a late uh, six-round pick. But, right. hey, never say never. Sometimes guys come in late, and 
and surprise you. And Ramirez certainly could fit that bill. I mean, he seemed so excited just to be interviewed. Yes. You guys are talking about the fact that <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, I've never talked to like more than one reporter at a time. Right. So maybe, um, you know, the bright lights of the NFL really speaks to him and he can, you know, up his game another level. I'm sure Pat O'Connor will kind of take him under his wing, just being from the same alma mater. Yeah. And it's always good to have someone in your corner. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be cool to see if he can, if he can make some noise during OTAs and training camp. Yeah. Uh, Buck fans, it's been a, a fun show. We've enjoyed uh, talking with you guys, as we always do on Mondays. It's always fun to do a roll call. Make sure that you check out all of our great content on pewterreport.com, the mothership. And you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Peter Report and, of course, Peter Report TV. That is this uh, station right here. Make sure you subscribe to it. From Matt Matera, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow for another edition at 4 o'clock of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.